I saw this article, and we're talking about anger this morning and being wise and anger. It was from Esquire magazine, and I'll tell you when it was uh, in just a moment. But they, they, the, the title of the article is, America is More Angry. And here's how, just the first part of it, we the people are ticked off. The body politic is burning up. And the anger that courses through our headlines and our news feeds about injustice and inequality, people being marginalized and disenfranchised about what they are doing to us, shows no signs of letting up. Esquire teamed up with NBC to survey 3,000 people to find out who is the angriest among us and what it is who's making us angry and who's to blame. It's never us to blame for our anger. Have you noticed that? Half of the Americans surveyed said they were more angry today or when this survey was done than they were a year ago. And a total 88% of all Americans are angry, really angry, at least once a week. Now, if you watch the news at all, you might say, well, with President Trump and all this now and all the fighting. Now, this was three years ago. This was before President Trump was in office. We are an angry people, aren't we? And you may not be angry this morning, but you have angry friends. In fact, I ask you to invite your angry friends with you this morning. And if you did and they came, they're mad at you because you told them the sermon was for them, right? We talked about anger last week. We're going to talk about it this week, next week. The next two weeks, we're going to talk about our tongue, our speech, and our mouth. And again, it won't apply to any of you, but you have friends that it applies to, so invite them to come. We're going to be in in several places in the Bible today, a a little different way than I normally preach. So follow on the screens for scriptures, take notes, our jumping our our heart is Proverbs. But let's begin with this. When we get angry, our anger can really hurt us. Your anger... Your anger can really hurt. You know, here's the thing that I believe. Most of us are selfish. And if you, if you know something is not good for you or can negatively affect you, most of us will pull back. Well, the truth is your anger does not help you at all. In fact, it does hurt you. Proverbs 19, 19, it says, A man of great wrath, that is the fired-up, explosive man or woman, they're going to pay a penalty. For if you deliver them once, you will have to only do it again. That's talking about your hot-headed friend, maybe, but it's also talking about you and me. There's a price to be paid for our anger and for our, our temper. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 continues this theme. Don't befriend angry people or associate with the hot-tempered people, or you're going to learn to be just like them and endanger your soul. The Bible says, listen, talks about anger. It says you don't want to hang around angry people. And listen, when you're an angry person, some of you, some of you are serious about your faith. You're just not serious about how you control your emotions. That's an oxymoron. You've got to, you got to be serious about how you control your anger. And I hope we'll see that more later. If you're going to honor Christ, if you're not a Christian this morning, maybe you're not even interested in Christianity, you cannot be a decent healthy, normal person if you're an angry person. And one thing you need to understand is that your anger boomerangs back on you. Near where Clayton and Mary and I grew up in West Tennessee, in the 1980s, there were two football teams playing. These are high schools that were traditionally really powerhouses. They had a close game, and after the game was over, of course, one team lost. That's just how it plays out. 
Going back to the locker room, one of the boys for one of the teams had his helmet still on. And he was very angry, and he walked by a block wall. And as he got to that wall, he, with his helmet on, he thought he hit it as hard as he could against that wall, and he immediately fell to the ground. Well, people thought maybe he knocked himself out. No, he broke his neck. He severed his spinal cord. At 16 years old, he was paralyzed from the neck down the rest of his life, and he died a few years later from complications of that injury. Because he got mad over losing a ball game, he ruins his life and effectively ended his life very early. Yo, Chris, that's extreme. That may not happen to me. It may not. But, but listen to some things, a very interesting thing. This was in Health Daily News a few years ago about anger, that, that people who are angry and already have some of the, the risk factors, it, it rises your chance, raises your chances of having a heart attack. It increases your chance of being insulin resistant. It increases your chances of developing diabetes. Dr. Walter Cannon, a Harvard professor who specializes in psychosomatic illnesses. Those are illnesses that come from the way you think, that come out in your body. Listen to the things he said, what anger does. This is why God knows what he's talking about. We can prove it all the time. It reddens your face. It swells the neck veins. It blurs your vision and affects your digestion. It increases your adrenaline, that fight or flight, which is not a healthy thing to be increasing over and over in your body. It increases your heartbeat, your headaches, compromises your immune system. And again, I'll say this, if you're a Christian, it can destroy your witness and it certainly doesn't bring glory and honor to God. When you and I don't control our anger, it hurts us. Now, here's the second thing. Your anger can hurt others. Some of you genuinely care about this and you need to listen. I know some of you'd rather talk about Revelation than we could figure out today when Jesus was coming back, even though he said we never could, but some of us feel like we can. It doesn't matter how deep your theology is. If you're a jerk, you're not effective for God. Somebody say amen. So you've got to get these basic things right. And wise living starts here. Your anger really hurts others. In Proverbs 30, 33, I love this verse, for pressing milk produces curds. Pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. Leave that there, please, Jamie. Many years ago, an older preacher was talking to a guy who said he was an atheist, and he didn't believe the Bible. He said, there's nothing in the Bible that's true. And the preacher said, if I can prove to you one thing that's true right here today, will you come to church and will you start reading your Bible? He said, yeah, but you can't. There's nothing in the Bible that's true. He grabbed the guy's nose, and he began to twist it real hard. And he held on to him, and the guy pulled away, and his nose was bleeding. He goes, well, you crazy lunatic preacher. What did you do? And the preacher said, for pressing milk produces curds, and pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. That's true. You don't believe me? Come up here. Let me pull on your nose a little bit. It'll bleed. But also this, you're a hothead, or you're an angry person. You hurt other people. You bring struggle and pain in their life. In Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4 is the story of the first family. And I'm not talking about the Obamas or the Trumps or whatever. I'm talking about Adam and Eve. In the course of time, Cain, this Cain and Abel, the first sons, brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain repented. He confessed his sin. He owned it. No, it says he became very angry. First place anger is found in the Bible. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face fallen? If you will just do what's right, you'll be accepted. 
And if you do not do well, sin is in sin couched in anger is crouching at the door and it will desire, it's desiring to ruin your life. The next verse says that Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. He didn't listen to God when they were in the field. Cain rose against his brother Abel and he killed him. The first family, the first murder, and the heartbeat of that murder stemmed from anger. About 20 years ago when I was pastor in my third church, a friend of ours from my second church, just stay with me, called me and he said, Chris, I came through Cisco yesterday. Cisco's 3,500 people. It's a small town. You don't come through Cisco when you have a friend there and not get a hold of them. I said, why didn't you call me? He, he worked for the Texas Department of Corrections for the prisons, and he had for 30-something years. He said, well, I had, I had two inmates with me and another man, and we were taking some equipment to another prison from our unit. He said, I really couldn't stop with these, you know, state prisoners in the vehicle. And so we were talking. I said, what, what were these guys, you know, you're, you're hauling these guys around the state. What were they in prison for? You know, were they write bad checks or, you know, whatever, not, not pay their parking tickets? He, and I forgot what he told me on one. But then he said the other one, he said, oh, he was a murderer. <laughs> okay. Glad you didn't bring him by the church. That might have been awkward. And I said, Glenn, so you're driving through Texas with with a murderer he goes yeah he goes chris he said murderers as for the most part this guy worked in prisons over 30 years are not the most dangerous people he said the most dangerous people in prison are burglars he said if someone will break into your house while you are there they are either drugged out of their mind or they are really wild and crazy he listen what he said most people not all most people who are in prison for murder it was a crime of passion that doesn't necessarily mean romance what it means was they lost their temper they got mad they took a pull stick and they beat somebody with it till they died or they went to their truck and they got their gun and they came back and killed them most people are in prison because they lost their temper and did something stupid that cost a another person in their life and cost them possibly the rest of their life in prison. Your anger is dangerous. Your anger is dangerous. You say and you do things that hurt people. We cause strife. We bring trouble. James 1.20. James 1.20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. If I was to ask many of you, do you want to honor God? Do you want to bring glory to God? Do you want to be a great witness for Jesus, you would say, yes, yes, yes. You can't lose your temper, not control your anger, and bring glory and honor to God. It's a cliched statement, but it's so true. Anger is literally one letter short of danger. When you get angry, you cause pain to yourself and to others. So, So let's try to answer this this morning. Let's try to get to the heart of this. How do we handle our anger wisely? God wants you to live wisely. How do we handle our anger wisely? I want to show you a video. I think it's of Jeremy Telford and Brandon Ramsey. But listen, I want you to see how not to handle your anger wisely. Are you kidding me? Say your story. I'm not apologizing. You just got milkshake. No, no. I don't. What you think a milkshake to the car was bad? Dude, wait till you see that. Are you some sort of like rage monster? Rage monster? Rage monster? I am the rage oh, monster.
leave that there. I feel a little bit bad, so I'm going to give you a new paint job. Wow, that was frustrating. Well, I'm still not apologizing. Hey, no need. I feel much better. This is a horrible situation. Jeremy, which one is you there? Which one's Brandon? You would agree they, they didn't handle it properly. We're going to look in just a second about this. The truth is, anger is, a, is a, an emotion that God has given you. But I liken it in some ways to sex. I mean, sex is a gift from God to us as humans. But sex is supposed to have a very limited context to be right. Correct? Well, that's what the Bible says. Yes. Man, woman, in marriage. Okay. So to say, well, sex is from God, that's right, but it's got a very limited context. And your anger, your anger is an emotion that God has given us an ability to express, but it has a very limited context to be used correctly. Let me give you four thoughts the Bible teaches about being wise with our anger. Number one, be very slow to get mad. Be very slow to get mad. These are things you ought to put on your prayer list, by the way. Proverbs sixteen thirty two. It says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit, and we've been talking about anger here, is, is better than he who takes a city. I love James 1, 19 and 20. Let us be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get anger because your anger, my anger, does not produce the righteous results that God desires. Now, if you're taking notes, this is really deep. The, the biblical word, the Greek word slow there, it li- literally means the opposite of swift. Isn't that deep? <laughs> Instead of being quick, it means to be slow. It means to be slow. It means to, to take your time. God says, listen, be slow to get boiling in your spirit. Be slow to be a firecracker into a pop off at people. Be slow to do this thing. When you feel anger coming on, step on the stinking brakes is what God's saying. Slow it down. Now here's kind of the heartbeat I think this morning for us and that's this. Seek only to get angry for the very few right reasons. I wish we had an hour but I know we don't to talk about just this. To seek to only get anger, angry for the very few right reasons. Proverbs seventeen seventeen. A truly wise person uses few words, and a person with understanding, a person with wisdom and common sense is even-tempered. Their temper is under control. Now, as a Christian, what we're going to look at for just a second, and again, I can't, we just don't have time to, to go through all these references, so write them down and look them up for yourself when, when you get home if you need to. Jesus is our model, correct? Everything Jesus said and everything Jesus did was, was, was correct. Right? It was perfect. Absolutely, it was. How many of you ever heard people say, well, Jesus got mad. Have you heard that before? You break something, you scream, you holler. Well, Jesus got mad. Let me tell you guys, Jesus only got mad for the very, very few right reasons. Now, again, check this out for yourself. You find something different, come, come talk to me this week. In my studies this week, there's one place in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where it, the Bible says Jesus got angry. He may have got angry another time or two, but only one place 
it says. And it's a story that's told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This story I'm talking about is in Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Here's what happened. It's the Sabbath. That's the Jew- Jewish holy day, like our day is Sunday. And they're at the, the temple, and a man comes to be healed. He's got, got a deformed arm. And in the Pharisees, the religious leaders, that's very important, not the partiers and the wild people, but the religious leaders, are watching Jesus, trying to catch him to see if he's going to dare do something nice on the Sabbath day. And it says that Jesus was angry by the hardness and the ugliness of the religious leaders' hearts. Now, also, this is interesting. Only place in the New Testament there, it says he was angry. In Luke chapter 6, verse 8, telling the same story, it says Jesus knew their hearts. Friend, you don't know somebody else's heart and mind. That kind of pulls back your ability to be righteously angry. We don't know other people's hearts and minds. Now, I know what some of you are saying right now. You're saying, wait a second. Now, Jesus turned the, the, the tables over in the temple, didn't he? Wasn't he ticked off then? Well, that story is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke at the, the end of Jesus' ministry. It's told in John 2 at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So it happened twice. But now, now, here's what's interesting. The word anger is never used. Could Jesus have been angry then? He may have been. But the Bible never says Jesus was angry there. There's one translation I saw this week that, that you says Jesus was angry in John chapter 11. I think that translation was off. I don't think that's the correct word. No other translation uses it there. So what, what's, the, what's the bottom line? Why did Jesus, okay, if he wasn't mad, he was upset. Wouldn't you agree when he flips over tables in the temple? Why did Jesus do that? I've got some theories. He walked in the temple that morning, and Jesus is in his 30s, and they're playing old traditional Jewish hymns, and it ticked him off. And he starts flipping tables and tambourines and harps, that right? Now, maybe not, because Jesus was more traditional, so maybe they were playing contemporary music, and that really set Jesus off, right? So he, so he really, no, let me just go ahead and tell you, that wasn't it. I really think what it was, Merrick, is they were reading, they weren't using the King James, and that just blew him up. Now, that's probably not it, because the King James wasn't translated for 1,600 years, so it couldn't have been that. I know what it was. No, people had on casual robes that day. Their blue jean robes. Woo! Jesus was a three-piece robe suit guy, Right? It wasn't a dress issue because most of those people were poor. Maybe they had one or two robes. They didn't have a good robe and a bad robe. You following me? You know why Jesus went in there and turned over those tables? Because those people were corrupting the house of God. Not corrupting it by doing something like music and Bible translations. That was the court of Gentiles. That was the only place a non-Jewish person could enter. They were keeping them from coming in. They were selling uh, pigeons and things for sacrifices at exorbitant prices. They were using the people, mistreating the people. That upsets God. That's what upsets God. I've been a pastor over 30 years. I would bet you 95% of the thing, 98% of the things I've seen people get mad in church had nothing to do with what I just said. Here's what a psychologist I read this week said. And I think this is true. 99% of your anger and my anger is just selfish. Just that we just don't get our way. We get mad. Amen? Would you agree that about somebody you know? Here's another thing this same psychologist said. A lot of times we have unmet needs and we're expecting other people, our, 
or our church or our extended family to meet those needs that they can't, that only God can meet. We haven't turned those needs over to God. So we're mad at, we're mad at people. Sometimes we don't even know, they don't even know we're mad at them, but they haven't met a need they, they, didn't, they can't meet. Here's another reason we get mad. It's just changed. Things aren't the way they used to be. And they're always supposed to be the same, aren't they? And so we get angry. You see, the bottom line, if, if you want to use Jesus as a reason for your anger, here's, here's the only reasons you and I should ever get angry if we're trying to be wise. If you really see someone being mistreated, I mean really, if you really see true corruption in the house of God, I'm not talking about you don't get your way about something. Those are things you can be upset about. But the reasons to get angry are tiny, tiny, tiny. Here's the third thing, and this isn't any easier, I promise. When you get angry, don't sin. Uh Uh-oh. By the way, you and I cannot accomplish this very well. In Ephesians 4, 26, Ephesians 4, be angry and do not sin. How many of you would agree with me that is extremely difficult for four of us, okay? It is very hard. I love what I read this week. One guy said, being angry is not a sin, but it is very hard not to sin when you're angry. Would you agree with that? Being, being angry is not a sin, or anger is not a sin, but it's very hard not to sin when you are angry. Man, amen to that. All right, here's a great quote for you. You need to write it down. Never generate more anger than you can control. When you, listen, you have control over your anger whether you realize it or not. Never generate more heat than you can control. And I'm just going to get really honest with you. I've been lying up to this point. When you start getting mouthy and mean and vulgar and slanderous and violent and harmful, if you're interested in living wisely and godly, you stop it. You don't know what they did. I don't know what they did to you. You don't know what they did to me. But when you start getting mouthy, vulgar, vile, angry, violent, gossiping, slanderous, you are sinning. Pull back. Pull back. The Bible says there's tiny reasons to get angry. Be very slow to get there. But when you get there, remember, you can't be right with God and be sinning while you do it. Aristotle said this. This is great. To be angry with the right person in the right way at the right time for the right reason is the key. But, boy, is that hard. Let me repeat that. To be angry with the right person or about the right thing in the right way, in the right time, for the right reason is the key. And, man, it is so hard. Be angry and don't sin. And here's the fourth thing. Deal with the issue and move on. Deal with your anger. We talked about this last week. Find out why you're angry. Go to counseling. In Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, great verses. Be angry and don't sin. Be angry, but don't sin. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let the sun. What that saying is, is to deal with it. In verse 27, I want you to see it in the New Living Translation. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Listen, when you hold on to it, when you're an angry person, when you're an angry, when you hold on to that, you are, if you're a Christian, it's like you're opening up your heart where the Holy Spirit lives and you're, you're renting out an apartment to the devil. 
You're giving, you're giving the devil a foothold in your life and in your heart. Deal, deal with those issues. When I was in graduate school, here was the theme then. When you're anger, angry, get it out. Vent it. Go punch a punching bag. That may not be bad. Go work out. That may not be bad. But, but just tell people off. Get it off your chest. Let them have it. I knew then when I was real young, that doesn't line up with Scripture. And here's what Dr. Albert Ellis, a famous, and he wasn't a Christian, psychologist said. He said, study after study after study has shown this idea of just venting your anger, it makes it worse. If you don't work through it, you're just madder. You've just validated your anger more. So the idea of working through it is just going and screaming at somebody or vomiting figuratively on them. That's not the key. Let me give you a, this is, this is a really weird thought. When you're mad at somebody or about something, how about go talking to them? Wouldn't that be neat? Now listen, if you go in there and you're slamming things and you're mad and you're screaming at them, don't expect it to go well, especially if they're as dumb as you are. Or sinful. A friend of mine years ago told me, and this could apply to your workplace or your family, in his community, community similar in size to Ruston, a pastor friend of his was fired at a church. And my friend was, was friends with that guy, and it, it upset him because he thought that church did him wrong, his friend wrong. And, and, and they, the way they handled it, they might could have handled it differently. They, I mean, they just cut the ties. Churches are a little more gracious. Sometimes we let them say, you got six months or a year. That you try to be gracious to help people. They didn't do that, and my friend was mad. And he didn't, he didn't sin. He didn't slander the other place. He didn't break things or go in there and, you know, pray the wrath of God down on this place and, Lord, send a tornado right here, right here. He didn't pray that. He, but he said, here's an interesting thing. Over the next few months, as he talked to people who were in that situation, you know what he found out? He found out he had only heard half the story. And what he, what he found out, too, is that when he, he'd only heard half the story, he'd only heard about 5% of what was true. You see, when, when you've heard from somebody, always remember you've heard half of the story that's fired you up. Sometimes that may be 100% right. Sometimes that half may be a complete lie. But my friend said, as I sat down with other people, what I realized is I wish they would have handled it a little bit differently, but my friend probably deserved to be fired. Isn't that amazing? When you sit down like an an adult, and, and you can be an adult at 12, and you can be immature at 80, and you try to really work through and sort through problems in your anger, it's amazing how you can come to some wonderful help that way. Sometimes you'll go talk to somebody, and there's no resolution with them, but you've done your part. Listen, how you deal with your anger is you, you talk to God and you talk to the people you can intelligently and rationally to try to figure things out. Because, man, it's so important. You, how you handle your anger is going to affect you, your family, your Christian witness, the name of Jesus Christ. You can't underestimate the power of it. This is a true story. It's a bizarre, sad story. Years ago in Texas, a family, a wealthy family, had a tradition. When the kids graduated from high school, they got a brand new car. My family, we got a handshake. And and the baby of the family of five kids, it was his turn. And so a couple of months before graduation, him and dad went to car lots, and they looked at places, 
And they finally settled on a car that the dad agreed to buy and the son really loved. And so the tradition was you graduate the next morning, you go to breakfast, and you get the car. And, uh, and so the next morning after graduation, the boy comes down, the young man, he's 18, and, and waiting to get his car keys, and his dad hands him a Bible. And the son takes the Bible. He said, I, a Bible? I wanted a, you. Everybody gets a car. I, you gave me a Bible? He threw the Bible down. And he left. And he moved to another town. This is before he had cell phones and email and all that. He never, never saw his dad again. Never went home. A couple of years passed. His dad died. They were able to get a hold of him. And he came home. Of course, he's heartbroken now. He goes into his bedroom. And in his bedroom and on his bed is that Bible. And he opens it up. And you know what he found in that Bible? A check made out to the car dealership for the exact amount of that vehicle. Ruined relationship. Totally messed his own life up because of his anger. And you know what's ironic is the answer to his anger was in his Bible. (laughs) And and, and I'm I'm, I'm not being preachery, but I'm telling you the answer to your anger is in your Bible too. And, you, and we better heed it if we want to be wise. Let's pray. If you're a Christian, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more in a moment, but I hope that you will do whatever you need to do to get your anger, your temper under control, under God's control this morning. If you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you are, but you're ready to cross the line with Jesus, pray with me and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sin. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and rose for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And when we do, I want to, I want to challenge you to come today. You just ask Christ in your heart. Come give your life to Jesus. That's the foundation for everything, including your temper. If you want to come after church, ministers will be at this door. We'll, don't leave the building without crossing the line with Jesus today. Maybe you'd like to join the church this morning. We would love for you to do that. You can come when we stand to do that. You can do that after church too. But come and join us. You're a Christian. Listen, maybe where you're standing or maybe at the altar praying with the minister, you need to repent today. And I can promise you, if you'll be in church, if you'll read your Bible, if you'll pray and ask God to help you with this temper, I know that he can and he will. Make a commitment to do that today. Let's stand as God leads.